All right, everybody, welcome to the Joe Kilgallen podcast, aka Kilgallen's Pub. Back with you with another episode. Very excited for today's episode, like I am for every episode, right? Uh, big shout out to all the uh, Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your support. You guys are amazing. Just posted a bonus with uh, Samantha Berkman, on, um, which was a fun one. So if you guys haven't heard that episode, check that one out and then head over to the Patreon. Also, a big shout out to the YouTube subscribers. Crossing the 10,000 mark was really cool. I can't uh, say thank you enough. Uh, my sons now respect me. So thank you to all the subscribers there. And uh, without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Because again, I got a, I got a great guest. First time around this podcast, a dude I've known probably for a decade or so now, hilarious damn comedian, fantastic comedy writer. We're going to get to all this fun stuff. He's got his own Comedy Central half hour, and he's a writer and producer on a very underrated show, I believe, that's moving over to HBO Max. That show is called Southside, which takes place on the beloved Southside of Chicago. We're going we're gonna to talk about all that fun stuff. Without further ado, let's bring on Will Miles. What up? What up? <laughs> How you doing, bud? Good man, thanks for having me on here. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen you since our friends uh Megan, Gailey, and CJ Teldano's wedding. I feel like that was the last hurrah before like COVID shut down really for a lot of us. I mean, where we were all together, that was yeah, that was nuts. And I'm sure they love the fact that that was the last hurrah, <laughs> of <laughs> no course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, dude, that, was, I, that was fun. Great time, right? Always great. I mean, it's it's one of the great things about comedy, but also a sad thing about comedy is the more successful everyone gets, the less we see of each other. Yeah. Because people are it, moving around, they're busier, which is great. But then, I mean, sad, but also great. But then it makes it so that when we see each other, we kind of, we dial it up a notch. Oh, yeah. That was like, that was like times 12 because everybody, <laughs> it was like people from LA, New York, all, but all from Chicago who all were like, I'll fly for this. Yeah. And oh. everybody just was out there. We, that was so, we got like fucked up. I haven't been that fucked up in a while. I got pretty fucked up recently, but that was my, before, <laughs> before I ended up, uh, Jonah Jerkins got a new place and we socially distanced. We were spread apart. There was like five of us. So five of the guys and, uh, you Marty DeRosa, Danny Kell, good friends of yours. Yeah. And we were like, who else was there? Blake Burkhart, Ed Towns. We were like, Hey, we've all been cooped up. We've been stressed out. It's been really hard. The second wave has been harder on the mind than the first wave with this COVID stuff, because I feel like, I mean, I know LA has been bad the entire time. And my wife was a nurse in LA and she still talks to some of her friends and it's, Oh it's, yeah. It's awful. It's frightening, you know, but Chicago, we had a dip. And it was starting to look like, hey, everyone's wearing their mask now. We're doing this. We're going to get out of this. And and then it came back strong. And and then everything just shut down completely after we'd gotten like a little bit of a taste of like, oh, 25% capacity. This isn't bad. And and that kind of made the second wave tougher because you felt like maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then I was like, nah, fuck you. Get back get back into that sewer. There's no light. <laughs> the yeah, no, it's I. Yeah. The, the we're in like the third wave now, I think, right? Or something feels like it, right? It's it something like crazy it. like that. But LA, LA, this is ridiculous. I don't even understand why our cases numbers like they're so high because we have it's outdoors, you can go outdoors. That's what's crazy about California to me. I don't understand that. There's a selfishness that we used to joke about. Yeah, when I lived in LA and there was LA people are like assholes. I think maybe there's some of that. I don't know. And I love LA, I don't knock LA, I miss LA all the time. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't get it. You have uh, so many more options. Chicago's numbers have been going down the last few weeks, which is good to see. Um, and that's and I, nuts because it's there's a snowstorm going on right now, <laughs> and you guys are better at it than like than us by like by far. 
I don't know, man. And I think our, you know, I was looking at like our, our press conferences and that, that to me explains a lot about the city. Cause I do think you look at Lori Lightfoot and like, sure, there's problems with her, but you look at her and she's just like a regular person. <laughs> and then you like Eric Garcetti or whatever out here, he looks like he's trying to be in Hollywood. And so does Gavin Newsom. Like all these guys, you think they're cool. And then you're like, wait, I think you guys look, you want to be actors. So, so this is all bullshit coming out of your mouth. So that's why our numbers, everybody's full of shit or something. And it just feels like, oh, they're telling us, oh yeah, we're doing good. But then you're, you're lying to us. Just tell us how bad we're doing. I'm from Chicago. We, we get told how bad we're doing immediately. And then we change our change course. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think you're right though. I think there is an element of both the mayor of LA and the governor Newsom wanting to have this Hollywood vibe to them, which is just fucking lame. It's lame. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger set that in, or even before that Reagan was an actor, he was governor of California 40 yeah. years ago or something. It's, it's interesting though. Cause you know, coming from Chicago, Chicago is a very political town where it always surprised me how people would just move to Chicago, live there for six months and already be like fucking city hall and just being like angry <laughs> LA dude. I mean, I lived there from 2014 to 2017. It's way different now. All my LA friends are very into politics and they're active and they know what's what, and they're trying to get councilmen elected or council people. I should oh, say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the one woman who I, I, became a fan of her because I heard her on my buddy Mike Bridenstine's podcast. Uh, Nithya. Raman? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Gonna, yeah. To my defense, it's not a name that just rolls off the tongue. Um, <laughs> I should have known it. Uh, she sounded great when I heard her on a couple podcasts, but it's good to see. But when I was living there from 2014 to 2017, I remember Facebook memory showed me how I had a post about how if Eric Garcetti knocked on my door, I wouldn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> and that's the mayor and LA comedian friends of mine who were like been there for a decade, way longer than I was there at the time where they were like, yeah, I wouldn't know who he was either. They were basically yeah. like, we don't give a shit here. It's LA. It's 80 every day. But now people are like, it's 80 every day, but this is bullshit. Things are out of hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it really hit with like the COVID stuff. Cause uh, well, COVID, cause a lot of shit to come out comes to light and everything you know because with the the protests and stuff this summer it's like yeah everybody was home so everybody was watching so everybody was able to be like i'm actually really pissed about this but like i think covid really got us even seeing garcetti because i never looked at the news before out here because the news out here is hilarious otherwise it's like the like super old dudes with silver slick back hair telling weather and it's like just absolute models doing the weather or other stuff and you're like yeah okay this is funny these people are vapid but then when like covid hit everybody i started paying attention hard and i'm like i don't want these newscasters anymore <laughs> this is this is serious stuff <laughs> but then i started seeing garcetti more and i'm like oh I, I think i like you and then like a month in i was like oh this fucking guy sucks yeah he's he's bad he's awful yeah. But man, you are so right. The weather women in Los Angeles. <laughs> my first week there, I remember looking at my wife being like, you're noticing this too, right? It's every channel. <laughs> She's like, this is insane. And the one woman was just so, like, she was stunning. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Blonde, I can't remember her name, but I remember thinking there's no way she's like an actual... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like meteorologist? Thank you, meteorologist. Yeah. <laughs> I was blanking on that. But... uh when you have two kids, you understand why your mind just right. <laughs> so I looked her up. She was, she was a meteorologist who graduated from Stanford. And I felt like such, I felt like kind of like a sexist asshole. Cause I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Not only are you, you look like that, but you actually graduated from like the best meteorology school. Apparently <laughs> I just like, how, how the fuck? I don't know. I don't get but it. 
dude, I mentioned getting drunk at um, Jonah's and all that a few weeks ago because since Megan and CJ's wedding, which is where we were starting with this, yeah, we, when we get together, all of our comedian friends, we haven't seen each other in a while. We really do take it to the next level. And I will give them a shout out. Not that they listen. Terrible friends. They don't listen to <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They're great. Um, that was one of the few weddings that over like was bigger than the hype in a sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because Megan is such a type where she talks about it in person, but also on stage where, you know, she's been planning her wedding since she was eight. <laughs> she's been a bridesmaid a hundred times. Yeah. She's been to big Indiana royalty weddings, as she'd say. And it, it was better than even I knew it was going to be great, but it was even better than great, which is, you know, remarkable. So um, hopefully this gets back to her. I know. Seriously. I'll, I might tell her. We'll see. Yeah, I <laughs> we, we did a social distance hang the other day, but those, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree, man. That was like, it was, it lived up to the hype. I knew it would be fun, and I knew there, I knew there might even be. I never thought Tommy McNamara would uh, bring a tear to my eye. <laughs> so just to give the, let me get my listeners a background. There's a hilarious comedian named Tommy McNamara who has a podcast with uh, Tom Takar called um stand by your band which is a music podcast it's really cool they have people like defend their music choices <laughs> and some of them are bad choices but they can be like here's why i think you know third eye blind is great or something like that and tommy uh could write songs too so megan and cj for their wedding had him be like instead of your traditional like here comes the bride they had him like do piano or keyboard for it and then he wrote an original about the two of them and it was moving <laughs> and, and just enough humor in the in there too that it was it was amazing. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Yeah. I was like, wow. All right, Tommy. <laughs> like, and Tommy damn. and I hit the sauna every day. Every day, Tommy and I went to the sauna. Oh. See that hangovers. That was also the timing of uh it was when my wife was pregnant, but we like couldn't tell people yet, other than family, basically. So we it was like hiding that during the weekend too. During the weekend of getting shit faced hiding that one of us is not drinking like uh it basically was like a how i met your mother episode or something but it was like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was no, wild. I did that. mike for uh, my son dylan who's one and a half a little over one and a half when um before we could announce uh my wife was pregnant with him i was almost gonna say we were pregnant with him but i am not that dude i know i, know. I almost said it too by the way <laughs> <laughs> no, a woman is pregnant we're just there anyhow uh <laughs> We, I just told her, I'm like, look, just get yourself like a Sprite or a Diet Coke or something and ask the bartender for a lime. So if you put the lime in the drink, no one's going to ask questions because people get suspicious. Oh, real, real, especially like your oldest friends in you know, like in comedy, which are like, who else am I hanging out with? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like they, I, I was w very worried that they would be able to tell that day, but I was like, damn. Yeah, you fooled them. Yeah. Well, comedians are different, though. I, I, family, I'd be worried about more so. Comedians are so self-involved. Self <laughs> they probably even know it. They're worried about their next drink, not your wife's next drink. You right, know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Here's something funny, though. Get this shit. So being a professional podcaster like I am. Of course. You know I'm a pro, Will. Absolutely. I, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to double check some stuff about Will. You know, like uh, go on the old uh, Wikipedia, IMDb, whatever was out there. I'm going to Google Will Miles. I Google you. And um, here, I'll just I'll just read the, right, what happened. I, I, look, I'm on my phone. I Google Will Miles. IMDb it goes to. So I'm like, perfect. I'll go right to his IMDb. 
It says, Will Miles was born August 8th, 1975. And right away, I'm like, 1975? Jesus Christ, man. Black does not crack. <laughs> he looks fucking amazing for a dude in his 40s. Holy shit. <laughs> then I saw, I scrolled a little bit further, and it says, died April 14th, 2018. And I'm like, what the fuck? Will's, Will's not dead. And then and then I like, oh, he was also not in Indiana Jones. He was also not in um, this other sci-fi movie. There's another Will Miles out there, man, who's got a pretty decent IMDb. That is that sounds I think I know who this is because I think this Will Miles is the reason I have to go by Will A. Miles in SAG. And I I specifically did it because of Michael B. Jordan. Because <laughs> I was like, that is always been that's always been so funny to me that he couldn't get michael jordan because of michael jordan and so he just went with michael b jordan and i was like oh that's fun and then so i saw that and i was like also there should be like a statute of limitations on the name if the guy died by the way i just want to put that out there i don't know yeah. if it is i should be able to get it now is what i'm thinking but i don't know i think so unless his family's still getting residuals from a couple of the movies he did i don't, I don't really know that's yeah. a good point they're probably showing indiana jones a lot on like tnt or some shit that's like a TNT Saturday morning deep cut, right? Yeah. Damn it. I'll never get fucking Will Miles. Right, at, right before Josh Jank is run, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I watch it almost every time, too. But, I mean, you go by Will Miles. You just have to write Will and Miles as, like, your credit for stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Which is I remember, annoying, but it's fine. Yeah, I remember finding that out when I signed up for SAG, when I was filling out the paperwork. The guy was like, now this is your name that you go by as long as there's no one else in the mm. union that has that name. Because there can't be two of somebody. And I almost wrote Joseph. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be Joseph. I'm Joe. So exactly. luckily I scratched down, put Joseph Kilgallen to have that. But yeah, Michael B. Jordan's hilarious to me because why would you even just go by a different last name? I don't <laughs> like I mentioned Tom Takar being the co-host of that podcast with uh, uh Tommy McNamara. We know he was orig he's originally Thomas Brady. Yeah, and then yeah. He, he went by Tom Brady for a stretch. And I remember when I first met him, I'm like, dude, you're funny as hell, but you cannot go by Tom Brady. I know. <laughs> in, in no world are you ever going to be bigger than the Tom Brady quarterback. So you're fucking yourself on the Google search as a comedian. You know, you always, as a comedian, don't we always want to be first when they Google our own name? Exactly. And I remember uh, Stephen King, too. Remember Stephen King? He's now Stephen Castillo. Stephen Castillo. So an outrider. Yeah. yeah. You. I mean, well, he was smart to go with an ethnic name, too. Yeah. <laughs> He went Wise from nerdy choice. white kid to Latin flavor, right? <laughs> <laughs> Very smart choice. Yeah. No, that was... <laughs> Man. So one of the cool things on your IMDb, though, like I mentioned in the intro, you were a writer, producer, and you were in like, what, five, six episodes? Yeah, something like that. Background character. I will be making... Well, we wrote it in at least right now. As of, as of now, I'll be making more appearances this season. We'll see, you know, scripts change. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, no, it's it's fun. Yeah. So Southside and Comedy Central moving though to uh HBO Max. Yes. Excited about that. That's that's cool. That's like right? a permanent home that people will definitely tune in on. So that part's very cool. I think they're still producing. Comedy Central's still producing. Okay, so I won't say too many bad things about Comedy exactly. Central. That's that's why I say that. <laughs> yeah. But look, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. For um, you won't get in trouble here, Will. You could you could get out of the camera <laughs> shot if you want. I've got nothing against Comedy Central. I uh, was a PA on Tosh Point Hour, which is a Comedy Central show. I've met people at Comedy Central; they've seemed nice. Um, 
So I'm not, not disrespecting or hating comedy central, but I don't understand how they market and, or make their, their shows and content available is baffling to me. So if any of the comedy central people are listening where they're like, Hey, Joe Kilgallen, we heard he's blown up on TikTok. I don't know why they'd be checking out my podcast, <laughs> but let's, let's see what he has to say. If you're here in this part, no, I'm saying this from love. Cause I, again, I grew up loving comedy central still do. It employs a lot of good friends of mine. It's a great network. Perfect name. Comedy central. You can't beat that. But why are you making it hard for people to consume your content? I've got friends like you who have half hour specials on the network who will every five months, I'll hear them say, hey, guys, for the next 24 hours, you can watch my <laughs> special for free on YouTube, but hurry up. And you also have to put in a code. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Make it easy. I I think I can agree with that and be fine. I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There's no doubt. I wish people would see shit that I've made. That's why I mean the HBO Max thing. It's like Jesus Christ. I mean, I just want to see it the day that it comes out, and like maybe a, a whole month afterwards. Because I mean, it's not, I see right now. Like you can pull up any show on from True TV on HBO Max or anything like that. Like Chris Gethard shows on there, a bunch of stuffs on there. Uh, I'm sorry is on there. Like there's so much cool stuff on there that you're like, oh, people can just watch this now. So now I'm like, oh man, Southside being that thing that like people would have to really struggle to find <laughs> is going to be available to them i could just be like oh go there watch it yeah it's gonna and be that's incredible really been, that's gonna be amazing i think it's gonna draw in even more fans because in among like comedy friends of ours we all were talking about how great the show Southside is and i'd meet a couple regular people that's non-comedian people everyone. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a few of them knew it but not everybody and i, I sadly feel like that's not on the show, but it, Detroiters was like that. Detroiters was yeah. a really funny show, hilarious. And I remember when it was announced that it was going to be canceled or Comedy Central was going to do new episodes, a lot of people were really pissed off. But then I looked up the the ratings. The ratings weren't good. But then again, the ratings really aren't great for any Comedy Central show. I know. Um, and I don't know what that is. I think that's why they're kind of going through some changes in their higher ups. I think I read that like some executives are are moving out and some new people are coming in. And I think they just kind of got to like their content itself is, I don't want to use the word cutting edge. Cause that sounds weird, but like, it's, <laughs> it's very now it's, yeah, it's good. You know what it's I mean? good stuff. It's great. But I think they are failing to understand how people consume content nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Cause it's like, it's all appointment TV, but people don't even make appointments to watch TV anymore. So it's like, <laughs> okay, 7 p.m. I'm not going to watch it at 7 p.m. That's how everyone thinks. Like, come on, yeah. 7 p.m. Thursday. It's like, okay, great. I'll watch it whenever I want instead of that. <laughs> so that's just how it is. I mean, yeah, you can't you can't do that. I mean, nobody, DVR is for what? Like Midwestern families. We have DVR, but partially because it's a write-off. <laughs> but oh, it's yeah, like, nobody has right? nobody has dvr that i know like other than me i mean i pay i have hulu live and there's an automatic dvr on there which oh, i use dope. for cubs games you know so yeah. i mean my wife was using it for grace anatomy but they <laughs> usually put the episode up pretty quickly anyway um but yeah i mean it's weird like so like i'm not saying that comedy central needs to switch to a streaming only mindset because you still have the Daily Show, which is pretty popular. Mm -hmm. I know people like my dad when he's done watching the local WGN Chicago news, 
he'll switch over to Comedy Central to watch The Daily Show at 10 o'clock. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, that's been a staple for him for a long time. And so I think that The Daily Show is very good like that. But shows like Southside and their scripted stuff, yeah, they should be rerunning it during the day. Um, but I don't even see them rerunning their own stuff as often. I think it's a lot of, uh, well, South Park, they have reruns on all day. But I remember seeing forever reruns of like It's Always Sunny or Scrubs yeah. and stuff like that. Which right is now fun. it's The Office every day, I think. The Office too. Yeah. But I just think, I don't know, I just think they're failing themselves in a way. Like they're they're not investing in themselves as a network as much. Because even a show like, yeah, Netflix will drop a whole series, 10 episodes in one day. Yeah. And that's cool because we like to binge. But I also kind of like what HBO does. Like HBO will have a brand new episode, like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones yeah. would stretch out over four months. And because of that, it would be like a a buzzword to be trending every Sunday people. It, I think that was almost a smarter way, but also though, if I missed that Sunday episode, I could watch it Tuesday morning. Yep. <laughs> it, it was there. It's they've got the app to go along with their programming. Now comedy central never really, they had an app, but it was, I never really did. They have an app. I don't even know. They still do, but like it's uh, yeah, it doesn't have a great rating on, on um the Apple store or whatever it's on, but yeah. Well, let's not, not as great as like Netflix or anything. And oh, no, yeah. the thing I'm most, I mean, this is very like, I don't know, probably not interesting to some people, but I have been watching the unicorn on CBS. I like that show. I watched I, like, the first I love that show, show. Right. Yeah, man. Walt Goggins is amazing. I love I, that. I mean, I've, I'm never going to not love Walton Goggins. I mean, unless yeah. he like killed somebody or something, something that we don't know, but even still, I'll, I'll lie about it when I say you I have a him. reason. I feel yeah. like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be on his side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But any, I mean, anybody who, who regularly works with Danny McBride is, I'm a huge fan of. So I loved vice principles. I think it was underrated. I, um, I got, I've only watched the first season and it was so good. They did what? Two seasons. So good. Yeah. Two seasons. And that's it. I yeah. think they wanted to do only two seasons. Cause then they had the righteous gemstones in the deck. But I mean, yeah, it's it's funny. It's a funny show, but I say that because the marketing was CBS put season one up on Netflix. So then everybody who was watching Netflix was like, what's the unicorn? I would never watch it because uh, I see the commercials and I see CBS or whatever. And they're like, then maybe I wouldn't put this on or find it on DVR. But I wonder if I would watch it because not, not a lot of people watch network TV anymore. So then you put it on, on Netflix and it's like I watched all season one on Netflix and then I started watching it on CBS. So it's like very smart of CBS to do that because now I'm giving CBS the viewership, but I wouldn't have if they didn't put season one on Netflix. That's super smart. (laughs) Right? No, see, that's very interesting though. I love the, like, I'm not into marketing. Like I never would have been like, I want to be a marketing major. Right. (laughs) The older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, because in a, in a way I don't look at it like this. How did you dupe somebody? Cause so much of marketing is advertising and how do you trick people into buying your shit? That part of it, I'm not a fan of, of course, but it is kind of cool to be like, like with, you know, my last, um, my last album or two albums ago, I had it where it was like, all right, cool. We filmed it. Let's put it on YouTube. And this was 2019. So I kind of, uh, took the idea from that Andrew Schultz dude, who's a dude once, but I remember I had two people. I took it from, this is funny, actually, Andrew Schultz and, uh, Schultz, I mean, and, um, Nipsey Hustle. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> because about this is like December of 2018. I think he had died just before that. Right. Yeah. He I want to uh, say. Yeah. 
I caught an interview with him and uh, that Gary Vaynerchuk dude. And they were basically saying, what advice would you give to like young rappers? And they were kind of talking about, and I'm like, well, if this could apply to young rappers or like unknown rappers, even yeah. how could it apply to me, an unknown comedian. And so I was kind of coming up with the idea. And at the same time that Andrew Schultz dude started going on other podcasts, talking about how he was breaking his stuff into clips yeah, and yeah. making it more digestible. And then he even said, I'm basically like the first SoundCloud comedian, but not using SoundCloud, using YouTube. And I'm like, that's hilarious because they were talking about SoundCloud. Like, this was <laughs> talking about. Yeah. So it all kind of came together in a weird way for me. But it made me rethink what I wanted to name the jokes. Because I feel like on a comedy album, the track titles, you almost want some mystery to the track. Yeah. But on YouTube, there's so much content out there and it's the thumbnail and people scrolling. So like the one joke I had, it was called Single Friends. That's what it's called on the album. On the album, yeah. I couldn't change it because I already released the album. I released the videos like a couple months after the album. But it made me think, wait a minute, are people going to click on something that says single friends? I could come up with something better. And in the joke, I talk about how like my single female friends will complain about how guys will pressure them into sex. Yeah. Like, oh, that's all right. So I, I renamed it sexual pressure. People are going to click on a joke called sexual pressure. Absolutely. Like, yeah. What is this? Single friends is like, oh, God, another comedian talking about relationships. Yeah. You know? So it's marketing in a way, and it is, it's not really tricking them at all because the joke, I do talk about that. So I'm not lying to you. Right. But I just had to repackage it. Exactly. So that, that's, that's just good marketing. That's not, that's not duping them at all. It's just like, this is what I know you'll, I know, I want you to watch this because I know it's good. So here's how I'm going to get you to watch it. It's like, yeah. 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 It's like the LA weather woman, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, I need you to hear me about storm fronts. <laughs> So I'm going to look hot, but trust me, <laughs> I know what the fuck I'm doing. Smart too. I'm not fucking stupid. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Chicago used to have a weather woman named Snow. And I'm like, really? And then there was another one. The fuck was her name? It was uh, a weather was like, pun name. Yeah. It was like lightning or something or like, um, no, Amy freeze, Amy freeze. Yes. It was it. Yeah. She had a raspy voice, man. Yeah. I feel like she came to laugh factory too. I think she did too. Yeah. yeah. It's always fun when there's like a local celebrity in the crowd. Who's been the most, this is a good question for you. I, I've I had this conversation with a couple other comedians. Who's been the most random like celebrity that's been in the audience at one of your shows? Drake, without a doubt. Oh, I, man. <laughs> and it was like a lo- it was this place called uh, Arlene's Grocery in New York. And I, it was like a, a showcase show. It was like the ones we used to do in Chicago, but in New York. And so it was, I was like not expecting much. I was like, oh, this is a cool music venue that they're allowing us to put a comedy show up at. My friend Rebecca Trent, she did it. And uh, and I was like, and Julian Keani, I was like, oh, great. I'll do your show. Sure. This sounds great. Really fun. I like those people anyway. And then like Janelle James was on stage. I remember very vividly. And uh, at the same time that Janelle was on stage, the producer of the show came up to me and was like, oh, oh, by the way, I think you're next. And I was like, oh, okay, shit, I'll be ready. And then at, at, right after she said that, Drake walked in and just was like, he just walked in the back, like really chill, two big dudes next to him, of course. And he just uh, started watching the show and I was like, what the fuck? And then my friend Maria was like, or no, I texted my friend Maria. I was like, Drake's here. And then, uh, and she came over and then, she was like, when are you up? I was like, I'm up next. <laughs> I was like, can you watch to see what he laughs at in my set? Of course. <laughs> and so then I went up and this is like right when we got to New York. So I was still crushing. I, I definitely fell off a little bit, 
after <laughs> after some years but <laughs> but i was like i was i knew i was like this is a new town i'm we were so murderous in chicago that i was like anytime i leave town i'm i'm destroying and so i knew i was about to kill and then i i was like doing a lot of rom-com stuff and apparently that really hit hard with him she was like oh. at some point in your rom-com bit he doubled over i was like that's all i wanted in life thank you so much <laughs> I was like, I knew he'd like that joke. I kind of did it because I knew he was in the audience and I wanted to know if he'd like that joke. That's and, uh, yeah. that, that's a good one. Drake, that's a really <laughs> cool one. I was, I, I can't think of anyone at that level. I don't think I've ever had anyone that famous because Drake, I mean, what is he at? Like 30 million Twitter followers. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> it's huge. I've had a couple of random weird ones. I mean, I've had some like professional athletes, um, Couple guys in the Blackhawks, Dave Bolin, yeah. Duncan Keith, and then uh, for I Cubs manager David Ross, who at the time was a player at the Hollywood Improv, which the late great Brody Stevens hooked that up. He knew those guys would be at the show, so he's like, "Hey, you want to open for me?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Mm. Uh, he, he was super cool. It was actually cool because David Ross came up to me because I was doing like new dad stuff, and um, or no, my wife was just pregnant. I think I just announced like that we were expecting a baby, and he came yeah. up going. Dude, that stuff was hilarious. I could relate. I remember when my wife was pregnant. But the two most random were both in LA. One was at a place I think called like Off the Six or something in like Studio City, and um, it was an act like actor slash music guy. I think I don't know if he's yeah. an actor, more music guy. But anyway, I'll get to him. It was funny because I'm doing crowd work, and in Chicago, when someone looks, someone in the audience looks like a celebrity you could make fun of that celebrity and not have any fear that it might be that celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on stage and this dude off to the side who had a weird laugh looked just like John Tesh. <laughs> he, the dude from entertainment. Tonight. Yeah, oh yeah. I yeah, know, no you know, player. but, uh, and anyone else who's listening, he also came up with the NBA and NBC theme, which is one of the best. It gets you jacked up to watch basketball. I can't, I'm got, I'm not, I can't carry a tune, but you guys would know it. The NBA and NBC, Bob Costas, the nineties. It was like the coolest intro. I then said something like that dude looks just like John Tesh. And then I looked to the side and I just kind of looked, stared to the opposite side of the room. And I'm like, it's fucking John Tesh, isn't it? And the whole audience was like, <laughs> and then I, I, I talked to him a little bit after the show and the dude's like six, seven. He's huge. I just said like, oh, you know, you're a good sport because I messed with him a little bit. But I think now he's kind of like a little bit of a, a lunatic now. So I think I, I think recently, though. Yeah, recently. Right. I don't know. And then the other one, the dude, uh, I didn't know he was in the audience. But after the show, it was at that blind barber show. Yeah. Those are great. Uh, yeah. Great. I think Chappelle like was running his hours there for a little while, too. Mm. Such a cool spot, too. I mean, I remember the first time I did it, you walk in and you're like, This is a barbershop, and like, no, go through the back door. And it's like this long speakeasy in such a cool room. Yeah, that um, was awesome. Like one of the best grilled cheeses I've ever had in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so good. And like the avocado, like spread out over the top of it. It was like guacamole on top of an avocado uh or uh grilled cheese. Anyway, yeah. though, after the set, this dude comes by me. He's with like a couple people, and he was the show's still going on. I think I'm up in the middle. He was like, hey, man, fucking hilarious. And I was like, oh, thanks. He's like, yeah, dude. And he like, gave me like a fist pound. And right when he walked by, I looked to the two of the comics. I'm like, who was that? That's someone, right? And they look at me and go, dude, that's Chad Kroger, the lead singer of Nickelback. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, that's fucking hysterical. 
And I'm just, it's kind of a good thing no one recognized him. I mean, I, nobody would have been a dick, I guess, but that band gets shit on so much. Big time. And probably somebody would have inadvertently talked about it on stage. They get shit on so much. <laughs> it's, bec- it's almost become hack making fun yeah. of Nickelback, right? Because that's like the go-to, this is the shittiest band on the planet that people <laughs> like. I mean, I think Imagine Dragons is slowly becoming the band that everyone shits on. They gotta right. be. I mean, because they reached that height where you're like, oh man, this song again. Wait, this song again? Fuck these guys. <laughs> Definitely. I remember when Nickelback was a new band. I remember mm-hmm. that that song where it's like uh, at the bottom of every bottle, wherever the fuck it is. And then they had a song on the the original, the first Spider-Man. They had like a song that was played in that movie. Oh, like, yeah, the, the hero it was the main song from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they say that a hero. I can't sing it all. Everyone knows <laughs> that. Dude, I wish I had a voice. But um, and I remember being like, this band's OK, whatever. Yeah. And then the more you heard them, you were like, this band is just cheesy fucking like dad rock. But the lead singer has great taste in stand up comedy. Clearly. Clearly. Also, by the way, Dad Rock, it kind of sounds good now. I don't know if that's... I know you're a dad? <laughs> yeah, now that I'm a dad, I'm like, give me some just like easy tunes, man. There give are some, some bands that have grown, grown on me a little bit more now that I'm a dad. Um, Coldplay, I kind of like a little bit now. Good stuff. They just make fun, good, easy music. It's not easy to make, I'm sure, but it's like yeah. easy listening. I, I, can, I can listen to it easy. Train, I like train. Yeah, so drops of Jupiter, right? That, drops that, of Jupiter. Um, one of the bands that are out there. There's a few that have kind of like all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, but John Mayer. I mentioned John Mayer. On the John Mayer's good. <laughs> He's got some tunes. The guy can shred. You know, <laughs> he must be cool too because he hangs out with a lot of cool people. Yeah, he's always with like Chappelle and that whole. Chappelle crew. loves him. Questlove loves him. It's like really, guys. All right. He must he, be cool. And his the back of his baseball card when it comes to women, very impressive. Yes, without I a mean, doubt. It's some stats right there. You're like shocking you, ones, even. You banged all of them? Really? <laughs> yeah. You're a good guitar player. You're, you're handsome, but like yeah. I mean, there and, are some and they told people about it. That's like what it's like. Like, Jesus. Well, okay, before we get into fatherhood stuff. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me, this is a question I like talking to my male friends about because we're we're all mature enough. <laughs> John Mayer, again, like I can admit when another man's handsome. John Mayer to me, I'm like, he's a good looking guy. Okay. Yeah. But he's not he's not one of those dudes where I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, like there are some dudes where like Ryan Gosling, I'm like, oh, I get it. Obviously you know I mean? gorgeous man. You know, there's some dudes where it's like Ryan Reynolds, I get it. Um there's we mentioned Jordan. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. get it. McConaughey. Um, yeah, like there's some people you're like, I get it. But then there's some people where I'm like, did you ever watch that show Californication? Mm-hmm. I loved that show. <laughs> I loved that show too because there's boobs in every episode. And it was that's fun. why I loved it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but man, was some of that unrealistic. I remember the first episode, David Duchovny's like at a red light. Yeah, he's got a cool convertible. <laughs> he looks over at a woman who's in a, who's hot in the car next to him. And just kind of gives her a look. And then it cuts to them fucking. I know. I know. <laughs> David Duchovny's not Brad Pitt. In no way. And what I loved about that show is like Entourage will I'll always admit that's a male soap opera. It's just like fantasy world all day. But there's no one I relate to on that show other than Turtle, really. Yeah. But then you have 
California is about a writer who fucks all these women. It's like, oh man, this is extremely unrealistic and also pure fantasy. I'm gonna watch this way more than I'm gonna watch Entourage. Yeah, no, you're right. They were male soap operas. I'll admit, Entourage first three seasons, maybe up to season four, yeah, were good, solid, yeah, very solid. Obviously, there's some dud episodes here or there, but they did a good job of making people curious about that world because nobody had ever done a show like that beforehand. Mm -hmm. And as dudes, I mean, that came out when we were like 19, 20, 20 something. I don't know. We're about the same age, I imagine. And, mm -hmm. or I don't know, maybe you're 47 like that. <laughs> other moment, but um, uh, We were at the age where it's like, oh man, if I was a millionaire, this is what me and my boys would do too. This would be exactly. Great. Yeah. That's why it was perfect for that time period. That show came out now. It would it would have been me tooed immediately, yeah. yeah. You know, because um, I was all, -watching all of that. Turtles lines. I, I rewatched it through the pandemic. Yeah. All of Turtles lines would be uh, and drama. Oh my god, Turtle and drama alone could not be characters on TV right now. <laughs> there was an episode where drama said, "You want to talk about mean? Talk about the time I made like." You know, uh, Jessica Walters, or that—that's a real person. Uh, I make up the fake name they use. The, the time I made um, Jessica uh, Jones—that's a real name too. I can't think of a fake name. Um, the name uh, uh, Diana Calories. The time I made Diana Calories uh, drive home on a bicycle after fucking her in the ass, something like that. Or ride home on a bicycle after fucking her in the ass, like like just crazy lines like that where you're like, Jesus Christ. And other lines where it's like. Um, hey, 17 is legal in some states. Like, I know what the fuck are you saying, dude? <laughs> just some shit like that, where you're like, Yeah, no way. Um, I mean, I don't it, know, maybe this would not stand, it. yeah. It just wouldn't it wouldn't hold up. No, I don't think there's as much interest in that kind of lifestyle either, right now. Look at these four guys fuck all the time and not deserve it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Fuck all them and not deserve it. I get Vince because he's a movie star, sure. But sure, even yeah. that was, he didn't and even Vince, have a cool haircut, the, you know. Not at all. Not until he added a cool haircut when after he played Aquaman. Yeah. But every other one yeah. was he looks stupid. <laughs> no offense. I met him once. He seemed very nice. And I don't know. But dude, I'm sure he's a cool guy, but I've got a story about him too. Really? A great friend of mine. Uh, you you know him too, Rudy Ascot. Yeah, he had like uh, I don't know if he was visiting LA at the time or he just moved there. He was with a couple people, and he doesn't know the show that well. I mean, he knew the show enough, but uh, Adrian Grenier was part of like the circle, and Rudy was like, "Hey, did anyone ever tell you he looked like the guy from Entourage?" <laughs> and he responded with, "Has anyone ever tell you, you look like a douchebag?" <laughs> Funny, but also like, dude, come on, settle down a little bit. And then you realize, and then someone's like, that is the guy from Entourage. He's like, oh, fuck, I really didn't know. I thought he just looked like the guy. That's but, hilarious. Uh, it's funny, but I remember Rudy being like, dude, I wish I had more like, it was a compliment he was giving me, but also made me feel like a psycho because he was like, you would have said something. I didn't say shit. I should have said, listen, motherfucker. I should have like, I feel like, you know, going back in time and wishing you would have told a guy off instead. Yeah. Hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, pretty boy. Huh? Why don't you go hang out with drama and turtle? Yeah, fuck yeah. Out of here. You know, I would have said something like that. I don't know. It's so crazy that we all watched it because then it was like hard for me to watch the real Aquaman that came out recently. Cause then I was like, Vincent Chase is Aquaman. What are you talking about? And then like <laughs> right. Vincent Chase is not even real, but it, it, I did see Adrian Grenier and I was like, Oh shit. Vinny Chase is it. He's here. I was like, wait, Vinny's not a real person. <laughs> you gotta remind yourself that. Yeah. 
I um I I looked on IMDb once to see if anyone made a fake Vinny Chase IMDb. Did they? No, because I was trying to think of all the movies he was in, and it would have been cool if they had more backstory to him. Yeah. The only they told you like, oh, he did a couple days on a walk to remember, which means he had like a minor part. And then they said he did an episode of Jag when he was coming up. Right. Like, and a Mentos was, commercial. And Mentos. Yeah. It would have been cool if they would have had like he was in he was starred in like three movies before head on. Like it would have been like yeah. more because I want to know his career rise. Because sometimes on the show, when I was because re- I rewatched it during the pandemic too, I'm watching it um, after Head On, and he was trying to get Aquaman, and then he didn't want Aquaman and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, was Head On his only starring role? Because he needs to fucking take every part that comes to. Him. That's the same thing I was thinking rewatching, and and I was like, so he's starring in Head On with Jessica Alba, and what was he on Jimmy Kimmel? I was like, Jimmy Kimmel chose you to represent the movie. I'm like that's wild. You must yeah. be, you must be bigger than you're saying right now. <laughs> like it didn't quite make sense that they would take this second billing after Jessica Alba in a movie, and put him on Jimmy Kimmel right away. Maybe it happens that yeah. way. I don't know. I don't know. See now, part of I don't know. I've been. Uh, it's. It's. I like that you're like me, where you're watching reruns of shows during the pandemic. So many people I talk to have just been rewatching shows during this last you know clusterfuck of a year. Yeah. And I came across a thing that says um, people with anxiety love watching reruns because you know what's going to happen. Oh, that makes sense. I have high anxiety. So yeah. <laughs> I um, probably have enough narcissism mixed in where I didn't realize I w- had a lot of anxiety. <laughs> I just thought, like, isn't this how people are all the time? You don't <laughs> have this thing rising up in your chest constantly. You know. Like I think I that's don't... that's being a comedian because I think I'm in the same boat. I definitely recently have said to my therapist something like I definitely the last time I talked to her, I was like, so what do like normal people do? (laughs) I was like, so you're telling me not everyone is out there acting like me about coronavirus and like just like not even about regular the everyday common cold. Like I'm I have OCD, too, which I didn't know other people didn't have. And so it was a lot of like, what do you mean? Nobody freaks out about everything. Like some some other people are acting normal at at times. I didn't know that, but then you see it and you're like, oh, I guess that makes sense why they didn't understand what I was talking about. <laughs> but yeah, finding out you have anxiety and OCD at this late in life is insane. It is. It is. I I definitely have a lot of anxiety. Um, I actually uh, had my first ever um, therapy session this past week, a few days ago. Nice. Um, yeah, after uh, probably near a decade of people saying you should see a therapist, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm fucking fine. Um, my temper is charming at times, so don't ask me to fix it. It really is. Thanks. <laughs> no, I um decided I'm yeah I need to to talk to a professional to get this temper under wraps and um and some anxiety stuff. And um I liked it. I liked it. So anyone out there listening. Highly recommend. I think everyone, even if you feel like you got your shit together, I feel like everyone should have someone to unload their shit on. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's really all it is. It's just like, oh man, I'm so glad I got to say this <laughs> in a definitely. setting where you can't repeat. <laughs> right. Um, well, that's a good segue into being a parent because one of the reasons I decided to go into therapy was that I feel like my kids deserve the best version of me. So yeah. why wouldn't I be trying to self-improve 
every day, right? And uh, Will, uh, his daughter just turned six months. Congratulations. Thank six you. Thank you. Awesome. Um, how's she sleeping? Sleeping well. It's Great. been a it's been a good transition to the crib and like sleeping pretty much through the night, which is good. One, one or two wake ups. That's still in the early phases. But yeah, I'm like, you know, when you think back to the early days of the first three months or whatever, you're like, I cannot believe I existed through those time periods. (laughs) It's so hard. The first three (laughs) months, man, is just so rough. But then you kind of it goes quick. And you almost just like forget about it. I feel like did that happen with you? It's yeah, I totally forgot because we there was a you know those times you're they're waking up every two hours at some point, and you're like, I can't believe I that we did that. Like we did it. We randomly we did it every other every other hour or whatever. But it's like, damn, we didn't sleep though for for months. We didn't sleep for months. <laughs> and it's the thing that people talk about before you have a kid. They're like, oh, you're not gonna get sleep for the first however many months. You're like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. I don't even know if that's true. But then you're, you're in the middle of it. You're like, oh, my God, I only got four hours of sleep every night for a month. It's it's so, dude, you know what, though? Again, it goes quickly. And yeah. I wonder if we all have something in our brain. I found this out. It's a little fun fact for people. Will, you might have known this already. Apparently, women have a chemical in their brain, like a hormone that's released during pregnancy. So they forget the pain. Wow. That's why you could keep having babies. (laughs) They just forget about the pain. Also babies, a baby's cry. When a, when a woman hears a baby's cry, it stimulates the breast milk. Oh God. That's fucking insane. Like I, I heard that. I'm like, that can't be true. That's dude. The human body, especially a woman's body is phenomenal. It's um, it's like us. I mean, this is I don't know how that sounds, but I'm like, it is a science project because it's like there's so much shit I didn't know. And then we had the first like birthing class and you're like, what? They go through what now? This is I I, I knew you you think, you know, like you're like, oh, yeah, they push a baby out. It must hurt. But then you're like, no, no, it's so much. There's the body is fully changing for the entire nine months. And then the the weeks afterwards too for six weeks afterwards their body is completely readjusting and like certain organs go this way because they're like oh i gotta make room for the baby and it's like what my organs don't do that no (laughs) my organs sit in the same spot for 40 years my organs don't do shit i tell them to do garbage um you know uh i mean i love my dick but stop getting hard at weird times seriously (laughs) Uh, actually when you get older that doesn't happen as much but growing up how annoying was <laughs> that the whole like the tug it in the uh in the in the waistband thing yeah that's ridiculous oh wait <laughs> i remember getting caught at a walgreens once i just was walking down an aisle looking for something as like a 15 year old or maybe not even 15 yeah maybe 14 15 and just like why is my dick hard yeah and then yeah. turning the corner and seeing like girls that i think might have went to like grade school with or something where i'm like i don't want to I had to hug them. I, I'm rocking wood. And then just being like, you know what? I'm going to dip into this fucking weird aisle that no one goes into at Walgreens. Cause it's got like all that as seen for TV bullshit, maybe. And then yeah, just flip yeah. it up. And then right when I turned around, they were like there and I'm like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And sorry. Just, yeah. Hey, you know what happens? Okay. I don't point out when you, when it's, it's 
pumping AC in this Walgreens. You got hard nipples. I'm not making you feel weird. <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> What's funny is I now I now frequent well before pandemic I did frequent the as seen on TV section, but it is otherwise completely un unwalked. It's but, one of the un untouched <laughs> aisles. Yeah. yeah, there's some weird stuff in there. Sometimes there's some gems though in the as seen for TV stuff. The Instapot started out in the as seen on TV. So. Yeah, really? That's pretty nice. Um, but how, so fatherhood, man, it's, I'm sure what is like, is there a big surprise to you about it so far? Uh, you know, it's like the, when they get the personality, that's when you really start to see shit and you're like, okay, this is cool. Cause like the first, the surprise is how much little, how little sleep you're going to get. You really don't think about that. And then when it happens, you're like, I cannot believe this is true. And the whole, like, like they have to learn how to do everything. So like sleep training was was insane because you're like, I gotta teach this little motherfucker how to sleep. That's so weird. <laughs> like I just sleep. <laughs> I mean it's hard, but I mean I, I just know. Okay, I'm gonna go to sleep now. But then you're like, I guess I didn't know that at some point. <laughs> I guess I didn't know how to sit up at some point. I guess I didn't know how to like lay correctly. And you're like, I gotta teach all of this. <laughs> they do a thing where it's like a sleep regression, which is like natural. Mm -hmm. So like six months to nine months i remember being pretty good but right around nine months to ten months they just start sleeping like assholes again where it's oh, like why no. are you why are you waking up you know yeah and, and a point this is what like all the books say and it's like heartbreaking but you're supposed to let them cry it out it's just like a natural thing because they don't know how to self-soothe right so in a way they have to just learn because i think when a baby wakes up they're like oh i'm up now but it's like no it's 2 a.m go to sleep <laughs> you know like as adults we wake up we're like Oh, I'm still tired. I, I close my eyes. I go back to sleep. They don't get that quite yet. So I think part of it's like, you just got to let them learn how to get comfortable and they got to learn how to like chill themselves out and yeah. calm themselves. And, but as a parent, it's like, I just want to go in there and, and give them what they want yeah. and this and that. And you want to just give them more like a bottle or, or whatever. But then they, all of a sudden they think whenever they wake up, they get food and, yep. and it's just, there's so many weird things, man. It's like the best being a parent, but I think what I've been struggling with lately and why I think therapy is good, especially for parents <laughs> is that, you know, I don't want them copying all the stuff I do. Exactly. So, you know, I'm trying to like chill out a little bit. I remember one time getting mad about, I was trying to fix something and it wouldn't work. So I kicked it across the room. It didn't go near them. Obviously I'm not kicking stuff towards yeah. my kid, but then I'm they're They're downloading all that shit. You know, they're thinking, Oh, I mm. remember my son, my son, my oldest son, who's going to be four in like two weeks. Holy shit. <laughs> no man time goes quick. yeah i'm gonna have a four and then in a few more months a two i'm gonna have a four and a two-year-old and he was trying to like build this lego thing and the one lego pieces like i don't know it wasn't like get, coming together and he's like why won't this fucking work he said that he said why won't this fucking work <laughs> and i'm like dude you can't do not say that word yeah but part of me was like but I also agree. Why won't that fucking work? Yeah, yeah. Um, the context was correct. <laughs> he used so it, right? He did. So I can't be mad at him there. Did you laugh? That's. I feel like that's going to be my toughest move. If my laughing. wife wasn't right there, yeah. I might have laughed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But she kind of gave me a look like, you know, that's from you. <laughs> but, and you know what? She says shit all the time. So if any of them start saying shit, that's on her. Yeah. Take note of it. Even film it. I should, right? Yeah. Uh, get another little viral video going or something because <laughs> it is hard because i mean kids cursing is always funny so it's like always i don't know how i'm gonna be able to 
deal with it. Like, I, I hope she gets it out of the way early so I can be like, haha. All right, wait, I fucked up. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> if you could take me seriously when I say don't do that, don't do that. Well, we're well, going to have smart kids though. So that's true. as long as we tell them, Hey, don't do that at school. Yes. Or in front of like authority type people, which are grandparents, I guess. I don't care if yeah. it's like, you know, if I'm at a grocery store and you swear in front of the, like some random person, I don't give a shit, but actually not want that. Cause then they're going to look at me being like, look at this piece of shit. You know, he's raising his kids to swear. I know. Yeah. But if the kid, if, if I'm, if somebody cuts us in line and my kid goes, Hey, fuck you. I'm laughing. So. <laughs> I know, I'm going to laugh too. <laughs> and I'm on my kid's side. So it's like, I don't know. Fuck you. I agree. <laughs> my kid's playing a sport and another kid makes an error. And he's like, Jesus Christ, Timmy, pull your head out of your ass. Gonna... <laughs> I agree. Timmy, yeah, yeah. Come on. You're costing us runs here. <laughs> yeah. Dude, all right. Here, I forgot. I'm backtracking a little bit. We're going to end on a game of Fuck Mary Kill, which is what I've been oh, doing. Nice. Um, I got a Super Bowl theme this time. We'll do, um, uh, just to get people excited, we're going to do players' wives, famous players' wives. That's the best I could come up with for a Super Bowl theme. Uh, I forgot to ask you this. For any of the, you know, I think I got some young comedians in the Chicago scene who might listen to the podcast or young comedians across the country, hopefully. What was the process of getting hired to be a writer on a show? Because I know a lot of people really don't know how to navigate into yeah. that. And if you had any advice for any young comedians who want to get into television writing. Yeah, I mean, it, I would say it's a lot of, uh, as sad as it sounds, it's like a lot of like, who'd you meet one time? And the good thing about Chicago is that everybody comes through there. Well, I don't know how it is now, but I mean, before pandemic, every, everybody always came through there. So that's how I knew all the comedians when, and, uh, and you did this too, where we, this is how we knew the comedians in LA and New York. Cause we would be like, Oh, I opened for that guy in Chicago. And then when you're in LA and they're in LA, you're like, Hey, remember I opened for you? <laughs> oh yeah. You're funny. Hey, this guy's funny. He should go up here. And then like those, those work to transition to, to the next thing. Cause like I, I did a stand up New York in New York because I opened for Hannibal and I opened for like Nick Thune in Chicago and all these different people who were there and they remember me. They thought I was funny. Introduced me to Michael Che. I went up in front of Michael Che. He, he knew I was funny. So then I'm at, at stand up New York. I'm doing a guest spot, just begging to get in the club. Basically. Like I think I did a check spot and I did it. And Chris Gethard was there and he like saw me do that spot five minutes, but he was like, you got a good perspective. And we just started chatting after the show real quick, hung out just a little bit after the show and like talked for a little bit. And then he called like maybe six months later and was like, Hey, do you, we have like a, a, a week where we need a writer to come in. Can you do that? And I was like, shit, I can't because I'm actually in the middle of tour, <laughs> but it made me know like, Oh, he, I didn't know that would even that kind of shit could even happen. So then he reached out again when um, the next season was starting and he was like, you have to do the packet now, but can you do the packet and send it in? And then, so like I did the packet, but also I had known him already and he had already reached out. So there was, probably a relationship some was built, a relationship yeah. was built there was probably some push ahead for the packet so that was then i got hired on that show and that really started everything so it was like a two-year process basically to get hired on that one show but 
that once I got hired, it kind of started happening more and more. And then it was just a bunch of meetings after that for these other shows. But you got your foot in the door. Yeah. Throw your resume up. What was the packet he was looking for? Like certain examples of different kinds of sketches and some stuff like that. Yeah. Just like wild ideas for episodes, like six or maybe it was only three wild ideas for episodes. And then like just some random jokes that you had. And so it was like, it was only two pages or something like that, but it was oh, like, nice. I put a lot of thought into it. And then I was like, all right, plus hanging out with him. I kind of know, I feel like I know the kind of things that he would like. So I'm like, this is what I like. Let me see if I can tailor it to what he likes to, and then put that in the packet. And I like, I had fun to doing it too, which is something that I think a lot of people don't talk about enough. Cause there's a lot of packets that I did that weren't fun at all. And you're like, of course I didn't get that job. <laughs> like, I hated doing the packet, so I wouldn't have had fun at the job. Of course I didn't get it, but that one I was like, oh, this would be fun. Like, maybe I'll do what if we did a whole episode underwater and then wrote it out? And I was like, this is fun to write. And that's the job I got. The only one out of all the packets I've ever written. And it was a lot at the time, but I was like, damn, I got the one job that the packet I actually had fun doing. Now for Southside, did you have to submit a packet for that? Or did you have the resume where they're like, we like Will, let's bring him on board? <clears throat> that was kind of a more of a resume. That was a, well, by that time I had been on Gethard's show for a while. And I had also written a pilot because we had a buddy, Kevin Barnett, who always was like, write a pilot. Always got to write a pilot. And so uh, I had him look at it a bunch of times. I had my wife look at it a bunch of times. And then I... I sent it because somebody was like, hey, my agent was like, you sh you'd be good for um, this show is about Chicago, basically. And I was like, oh, cool. I, you know, I've always wanted to work on a show about Chicago. That'd be amazing. She's like, all right, well, let me send you the, the info and make sure you tweak your pilot so that it's ready to be seen by other people. And so that one was one where the somebody at Comedy Central saw my pilot after that. And they they liked it, and then I met with them, and they were like, "All right, cool, I'm gonna pass it to the producers." And then they passed it to the producers, Dial and Bashir, and they were like, they liked it. And then um, from there, it was like in the meeting after that because they liked it enough to call for a meeting. In the meeting, I found out me and Bashir went to the same high school. Uh, we talked about some of the jokes in the script. In my script, my script is about Chicago too, so they were like, Did "You go, you went to Whitney Young." Yeah, I went to Whitney Young. Yeah. yeah. But you grew up on the north side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> when the Southside came out, and I think you had like a tweet or a post about, hey, check out Southside. And I, I saw that you were writing for him. Like, oh, that's great. And then I'm like, wait a minute. He's from the north side. Yeah. <laughs> Did you give shit about that on set at all or what? All the, all the time. Since day one in the room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured that had to have been the case. They have to. I mean, yeah. They have but to. I was like. It's because it was Whitney Young. I was like, but I was at the South Side every day. So I was like, I know I know it, but I just never rested in my head there. But that was a big, that was a part of it. But also it's like, you know, I'm a different perspective because I was the outsider coming to the South Side every day yeah. in high school. So it was like, well, now I'm, I've been there so much that it's, I actually feel like I get the, 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 you know, the life's blood of the South Side at times, which is what the show is kind of about. And then I defer to Bashir because he's actually from the South Side. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, that one was a bunch of meetings that actually worked out. And that I remember getting the job, I couldn't have been more excited because I was like, yes, oh, perfect, you're perfect for it, and it's a great show. So I guess a big lesson here for any aspiring writers or comedians wanting to get into comedy writing is make the most of opportunities. 
So always give it your all. Be a good person because when I think of you, Will, I always think of the positive guy to be around. You know, hey, I mean, people you want too, it. man. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I think I go a little bit more nutty though. I've never heard anyone be like, "Dude, Will got pissed, man." You see that shit? I've never heard anyone say that. But um, it's it's more or less that like in in a writing situation, they're like, "I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this person." Yeah. Oh, so that's huge. You could yeah. be funny and you could have a great script to send around, but if people are like, "I don't want to be stuck in a room with this guy for the next, you know, 15 weeks or whatever," um, that's part of it too. But but also like I think a lot of people would say stuff like. Oh, you got lucky that that person happened to be there to see you. I mean, you make the opportunity though. When I had Pat McGann on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Sebastian Maniscalco produced his special. Right. I told him like, it wasn't luck. You put yourself in a situation in which, like you were saying, like being in Chicago, big names come through all the time. Also, if Sebastian was there and you ate shit that night, then the opportunity isn't there. Exactly. So you put this, you put the work in to put yourself in a position to succeed by honing your craft to be an awesome at standup, which is what you did, which then led to the writing gigs. And then you obviously hone your craft as a writer, which I'm sure was always there as being a standup, you know, we're also right. You never think about that, but that is exactly, we're writing our bits for us to say. So it's the same as like writing a joke for someone else to say, but it's like, yeah, no, I think it's, that's exactly it. It's a lot of luck. Sure. But it's like, cause the South side thing, it's like, my agent couldn't do anything if I didn't have a pilot ready because yeah. they need, they need the, the, pilot. Yeah. They need the pilot like Monday. And I was like, Oh fuck. All right. If I had come with no, if I had like no preparation, I would have had to write a pilot in three days, which would have been insane. Yeah. <laughs> You're not John Hughes. Right. <laughs> John Hughes would write scripts in seven. He wrote Ferris Bueller's death in seven days. I've probably said that fact like a hundred times on this podcast. I'm just overwhelmed by it. And apparently no, he wrote planes, trains and automobiles in like a weekend. Like he's in so, home alone, I think in like three days. Yeah. He was like a freak with that stuff. It's that, not, I remember I saw an interview with John Candy and Steve Martin and they go, Oh, it's well known that he'll be like, I have an idea and then write it down and be like done with it. And it's usually pretty much exactly, you know, he lets his actors, you know, improv a little bit too. Yeah. But anyway. Um, no, I think I, I did a deep dive. I, I like researched John Hughes cause of the, cause of those hearing. Maybe you told me that. But I remember being like, what? That's so fucking crazy. Like, and then I did a, a deep dive and I was like, I try to do it and it, it'll be like, okay, good. I like that idea. You know what? I'm just going to write a script. And then it's like now eight months later and I still don't have a script for somebody. But <laughs> still on fade in. Um, yeah. <laughs> exterior living room or exterior bar. <laughs> exterior living room. I'm a terrible writer. No. Um, but dude, yeah, I mean, you got to put yourself in the position. Obviously, luck. Yeah, of course, luck factors into any yeah. sport. This isn't a meritocracy. And, no. and if you're a young, if you're going into the world of entertainment, you need to know that right now. It's not a meritocracy. But what you can do is put yourself in a position where the luck meets the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, every year there's, I don't know what they pick, like 10 to 12 new faces for yeah. Montreal. And there's a shitload of people who don't get it, who end up being huge. And then there are people who get it, who you never fucking hear from again. Exactly. Yeah. And, and everyone's on a different path, but I bring up the, I've heard stories from friends of ours that we both know. I'm not going to name them on the podcast. They're doing well now, but they, they told me like, dude, when I did Montreal, I met with some agents and executives and whoever people from this network and that network. And they were like, do you have a pilot? No. Yep. Yep. Do you have a writing packet? No. Do you have this? No. And they were basically like, okay. And then they just moved on because they weren't prepared. They weren't ready for the moment, you know, or there's been people, I know a guy who 
did like a late night spot and then his manager sent him to do headlining gigs and the clubs were like, never send us that guy again. Cause he only had 30 minutes and yeah. you need a good five to be on TV. You didn't have the whole, so it's kind of like, yeah, you need to be lucky to be in these right situations. But if you don't put in the work, that luck runs out real quickly. Yeah. If you can't deliver yeah, it's, it's worth nothing with the luck. Yeah. It's yeah. luck plus everything else. Yeah, man. man. That song by Fort Minor. This is 10% luck, 15% skill, 25% power of will. I don't know. I can't remember how that breaks down. Fort Minor, nice. I have not heard that name in a long time. Well, I always (laughs) loved that song because when I first heard that song, I never heard it on the radio. The first time I heard that was a Michael Jordan highlight video. Oh, nice. And it was a bunch of Jordan dunking to that song. And I'm like, this song's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then we used it for CYSK, Community Should Know, as an intro for a couple months before um i made the choice to switch it to homecoming by kanye yeah wise choice which is a much better choice but i like that song because in the beginning it could be turn off all the lights and be completely dark in the room and like the i think it's four minor going are you ready let's yeah, go i dun, remember that dun, 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 you know um and it just kind of sounded cool i mean it got people pretty hyped but kanye's homecoming is way better <laughs> way better all right, let's make a couple Super Bowl predictions. Everyone, okay. this is probably coming out the day after the Super Bowl, so you'll be able to see if we're idiots or not. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs returning to face the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, led by the ageless wonder, 43-year-old Tom Brady, versus who could be the next possible GOAT in the quarterback game, Patrick Mahomes, who I'm a big fan of his his game. I like that guy a lot. His dad pitched for the Cubs, too, so that's bonus points. Um yeah, Pat Mahomes Sr., everyone. I was a relief pitcher for the Cubs for a couple seasons. Damn, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. Now yeah. I have a reason to root for him. I, I think his mom was an athlete, too. Like, okay. maybe, like, a track and field something or other. So, I mean, that's just gene- the genetics always. Like, you know what I mean? It's rare where it's like, I'm a professional athlete. Here are my parents. They're both, you know, yeah. they, they, they waddle. But they're <laughs> nice. You know, like, it's always, it's, you know, they come from a long line of, like, Adonises and shit. Exactly. Uh, so who do you got? Um, I'm going to go, here's, here's what I would like to happen. I would like the chiefs to win. I do think Tom Brady is in like, I think he must've signed a deal with the devil or something to keep him good. And like Tampa Bay, how do you make them good in one year? Super Bowl ready in one year. So I'm like, he, he's going to pull it off. I don't know how I mean, he pulled off anything. Yeah. So I'm going to do I mean, it. They added, a, they added Gronkowski but he's old kind of now too for yeah. a tight end. He's in his thirties. Um, Antonio Brown, but he only joined late and didn't really contribute that much in the regular season. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's basically the same team uh, as last year, just an upgraded quarterback. And what's funny about it or not funny, but interesting is the Patriots are the same team minus Brady and they Brown suck even play and they suck. They didn't make, so part of me, I like my, I'm, I'm ready for a new era. You know, I, I'm not. A, I'm a. I'm a Tom Brady fan in a lot of sense uh, as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd rooted for him in that whole Manning versus Brady rivalry. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But I, and it's impressive. Forty three and still delivering. Obviously, he's not the same guy as he was, but still delivering and and coming through. I part of me wants him to win because then it really makes it obvious that it was more him than Belichick. Yeah, Which I mean, a it, lot yeah. of athletes are coming out and saying now, like Danny Amendola was on some radio show recently or some podcast. I saw the clip of it on um on TikTok of all places. TikTok's actually pretty fun, man. There's a lot of good sports stuff on TikTok. I'm uh, gonna check it out. I got I gotta download it. I gotta just get into it. 
at first it was teenagers dancing so everyone like our age was like fuck this but yeah it's so much more than that man it's like i barely see like the, the dance videos i mean i still see them but not nearly as much um what's cool about tiktok is whatever you like they'll show you more of oh that's see i like so, that yeah dude i see nothing but marvel content and i'm seeing like diy house stuff and um and then a lot of sports stuff where it's basically just someone standing there and giving like a 45 second opinion or they'll show like on this date here's what this guy did like 30 yeah. years ago and so it's kind of like cool shit like that and like little interview like uh quotes from like famous athletes talking about stuff but this one amandola was basically saying let me get this straight. It wasn't Belichick that was a great recruiter because everyone's always like he recruited all these players to play for New England. No, we went there to play with Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's get that straight right now. And, and, and it's kind of cool hearing all these guys coming out being like, no, no. But look, Bill's got some good plays. He's a good defensive mind overall. But let's be honest, who was the main reason that team won six Super Bowls? Yeah. It's Tom Brady. I mean, it's so clear now. This, 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 team switch was made it so clear it's like what yeah this makes no sense i've got the chiefs winning as well um i'm gonna say 38 to 27 um chiefs chiefs yeah and you know it's gonna be a good game in the first half the first i think it's gonna be like i think brady's performance is gonna be like it was in the nfc title game where he looks amazing in the first half and then it's just kind of age and not being able to adjust the way you used to when the Patriots defense will figure them out a little bit and get a little more pressure on them. And then that'll, yeah, that's a good, that's a good um, line. I think I, I do think I know I said Mahomes, I would like him to win, but I do think it'll be Tampa Bay 30 to 27. All right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, when they hear this, they'll be like, "Will was right. Joe's a fucking idiot." <laughs> All right. Now the fuck Mary kill we're about to play ties into the Super Bowl. I decided to do NFL wives is your choice to fuck Mary or kill. It's really <laughs> tough because you don't want to kill any of these people. I don't believe any of these women. Now, um, the first one is uh, Sierra, um, which is uh, Russell uh, Wilson's wife, who's a great singer too. Mm-hmm. Uh, second one, Giselle, mm-hmm. Tom Brady's wife, Brazilian supermodel, super supermodel. And then unknown, but gorgeous is a uh, Christian McCaffrey's, I think fiance, but I'm counting it. Yeah. Uh, Kayla Nicole. Now she was like a Miss USA. Oh, I've actually seen her. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably the one that's like least unknown, but she was like Miss USA and Miss something else. And, um, a very highly educated, I believe. I, I read up on her a little bit and um, stunning. Uh, so Kayla Nicole, uh, Sierra, and uh, Giselle. Those are your three choices for Fuck, Mary Kill. Doesn't Kayla Nicole do like the news or sports reporting or something like that? I think she might do some sports reporting too. Yeah. Uh, first off, I everybody I respect, all of them. So this is all more so a game. It's a game, uh, everybody. <laughs> it's a game. Um, oh, I'm sorry, but, Kayla Nicole's Travis Kelsey's. Um, oh, that's where I saw her. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean I don't know why I said Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's he's dating someone really hot that almost made the cut but didn't make the cut. Okay, okay, I, I had a tough time choosing who I was going to. Um, that uh, sounds to- more right. Like, I, I remember seeing the name and being like, oh, with that guy, and Kelsey is more on my brain. Uh, he's he's also in that Showtime show, by the way, which is very strange, but. <laughs> Travis Kelsey is an actor. Uh, I would choose. Oh yeah, that's right. 
it's weird. It's like the one about space. For some reason, he goes to space with with Fred Armisen. Uh, yeah, again, this is just a game. And I respect all of these women. Let me start by saying that I do not respect Giselle's husband, so I will put her at kill. Uh, <laughs> I hate Tom Brady as a person, as a football player. He's an unbelievable human being. She, though, did come out saying we do not support Donald Trump. So I oh, really think she's. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Um, um, I didn't know it, but I looked it up because someone told me that. Yeah. Brady, okay. Brady was getting slammed on Twitter recently. Um because people were like fuck him he's mega guy and all that shit and then you know i saw like the threads the comments being like well he backed it uh he backtracked said he doesn't support trump when trump was running he said yeah we we're golf buddies and then people were like no that's just because giselle made him and so then i read an yeah. article where giselle was like we don't support him at all and tom used to be friends with him and let's be very clear on that and then tom was like i'm i'm not political which people were like mm. so tom, <laughs> tom probably i think you're probably right to be like yeah tom might be a scumbag yeah uh, i mean i don't i don't know if scumbag's the word but shitty let's say yeah, shitty. yeah. i don't know um because i don't I mean, know I, yeah. could he, is he racist i don't think he's racist he seems i to, don't think he's racist i think he's just i didn't like him prior. I think he's probably one of those dudes that's like i don't know i think he not to get into Trump shit right now, because I, I do know, right? think there's there's a big percentage where it's like you like Trump because he hates the same people you hate. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that's some, why. Yeah. Right. And then there are some where it's like, I want lower taxes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> you got to admit this is the, a bad guy for everything for that. Be, uh, if you're a low tax Republican, I'm still friends with you. But yeah. If you're a Trump supporter. It's like, dude, look, I mean. I don't know. I just don't understand. Like, how are you not understanding that this guy is a fucking con artist? Exactly. He walk through you for a shortcut. He doesn't give a fuck about you. Anyway, that's I, what I, always drove me nuts. I was like, this is so obvious, though. Regardless of anything, you're you're reading this guy wrong. Uh, yeah. Well, Anyhow, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I didn't like. That, I didn't but, even like Tom Brady before I found out he was mega. So, so you're <laughs> killing Giselle. Either way, I, I, <laughs> no matter what my statement stands. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Sierra is the marrying type. Um, so that because I uh, I know she's like super religious and I just feel like she's the marrying type. And I remember seeing her actually. And at school, she was walking through campus when we were in college and being like, wow, that's a I hope Bow Wow marries her because she was walking with Bow Wow and <laughs> being like, I don't think I'm married. They seem like a nice couple of people. Uh, so then that leaves Kayla Nicole for the the other thing. The other thing, uh, the other thing, your wife in the background. And yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. We're playing a game. It's not real. Um, now, my wife's walked down the stairs. I'm in my basement. She's walked down the stairs at a part or two where I'm like, I'll fucking talk, tell you later. Shut <laughs> podcast. Come on. You know, I have to whisper. Um, those are good choices. I, the one argument I could probably make, but part of me is thinking if you really hate Tom Brady, wouldn't it be cool to be like, I fucked your girl? I know. You know I know. I mean? That's so true. <laughs> It'd be way better than I killed you, girl. That'd be, that's the, way, the worst yeah, thing. Now he's mourning. Where yeah. before you just have like you have this thing over him. Yeah, you're living in his head run free at that point. <laughs> so it's tough. That's why it's a fun game. The fuck Mary kill. I, I feel like this was a really difficult one though because uh, you know usually people play fuck Mary kill based off of looks, but I feel like you break it down where it's like this is the marrying kind. Also, people forget that when you marry, you could have all the sex with them too. Exactly. Yeah, we're married you know, guys. It's, uh, I used to play it, um, Fuck Mary Kill, where I'd pick uh, DVDs out of a bin randomly, and whoever like the stars of those movies were were the choices. <laughs> and so sometimes guys would have to fuck guys 
but a lot of times guys would be like, I'll marry Bill Murray because you don't have to have sex in a marriage too. So it goes both ways. That's true. And Bill Murray would probably be just a hilarious husband. He'd be fun over breakfast. I yeah, feel like. absolutely. He would know the best brunch spots. He'd tell good late night stories. <laughs> oh man. Before we go, I, I do have to mention that one person I met at a, out in New York was Bill Murray once. And he truly was like, uh, an angel or something because we were just at a birthday party for this guy Seth Herzog and everybody was like it was like some some cool people in there already it was like I, I it was one of those where my wife got invited and I was like I can't believe I get to go here it was like 2015 16 or something like that and Donald Glover's show had just come out Atlanta just come out and so he was there and we were like oh man it's cool Donald Glover but like my wife and all of them did comedy with Donald before so it wasn't that big a deal but I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. Like, he's he's a big deal. And then uh, so we're all chilling. Pete Holmes is there, who we all know from Chicago. So I was like, I know him at least. And then, um, yeah, just at some point in the night, Bill Murray just comes in like not. I don't want to say stumbling, but he did come in like he clearly had already had a drink and he just looked cool because it was Bill Murray. <laughs> and then it was 2015. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. But he 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 jumped in. And he like just stood there and we were like, what the fuck? Why is Bill Murray? And you just saw like Donald Glover, Pete Holmes, Noah Wiley. Everybody was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe Bill Murray's here. And then he walks up to my buddy, Jason Burke, who was a huge fan, like is his idol. And he uh, he was like, can I can I get a drink with you? And I happened to be there. So three of us got a drink together. And then I was like, this is unbelievable. And then I go to Bill and I'm like, you know, I'm from from Wrigleyville. Basically, I'm from Boys Town, but I'm, you know, it's basically Wrigleyville. And I was like, I. I grew up a Chicago Cubs fan. He was like, what? And then he just started telling me about the Cubs. And then he was like, those young guys, they're so good. You know what? I think this year they'll make the playoffs, but I think next year we might even win it. And I was like, yeah, I think we might win it next year too. That's a good prediction. That would be amazing. And then that was 2015, 2016. We won. (laughs) I was like, holy shit. He predicted it. And I watched game seven in New York. I was in Brooklyn. Oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) I happened to be in town at a meeting and I, um, with Bleacher Report, which I didn't even get the job, so fuck them. No, Report's <laughs> <laughs> great. But um, I had a meeting, and then I did CYSK that night, and then I watched the game, and then I met up with Tommy McNamara and Tom Takar. They were at a bar, Kelly's, which was like a big Cubs yeah. bar in Manhattan, and it was it was amazing. That's crazy yeah. that you met Bill Murray, though. That's so cool. That was It was the wildest, and I remembered I it that night. I had once, but I didn't get to talk to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I mean, he's one of those guys that nobody sees ever. I heard he only has like a, a hotline that you can call to get in touch with him. Yeah, he doesn't have an agent anymore. He has That's like a insane. hotline. And he's just, he works with people he likes. And um, he's just got a, just a crazy like aura to him. I don't know. Like Bill Murray's one of those people who's like, is that Bill Murray? And he, <laughs> there's all these Bill Murray stories where it's like, oh, he was at a bar and some city they're filming in, and then he just went behind the bar and asked if he could start serving drinks. And of course they're like, yeah, you're Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much I, I heard a story. I think it was at a bar like in Brooklyn where no matter what someone ordered, he gave them like an orange whip or something like That's that. That's hilarious. Like, with the one drink you know how to make because <laughs> the drink in the movie, the blues brothers, um, they'd be like, have a you know, whiskey on the rocks. He's like, absolutely. And then they'd be like, what the fuck is this? He's like, drink it. You know, like <laughs> people are like, this is nuts. Bill Murray. Um, Dude, I, I I know I want to end the podcast because I, I I'm holding you a little bit longer um, than I told you I was going to hold you on for, but I just was reminded of something really funny. This happened. You, Clark Jones, and Kenny DeForest took over for Hannibal Running Knitting Factory. Yeah, yeah. I think the best show in New York. Um, 
I think I'd done it three times, twice with Hamble and once with you guys, and just amazing crowds. But what was funny was when you guys took it over, because the two times I did before, I think I just texted Hannibal. Um, but you guys were more professional. Um, <laughs> you guys gave me an email. Oh, now, we did? Yes. But you I think it was just to so to know what date to have was. it. Yeah, exactly. Just so we could schedule yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think you guys were being like assholes, being like no, no, no. A clip, Joe. Like, <laughs> like there, there was no discussion. You're, you're not a discussion person. It's like yeah. obviously, yeah. <laughs> so here's what was funny about it, though. I didn't know that the email at the time was being answered not by you three. <laughs> it was answered by uh, Louisa, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that, so I sent an email, uh, basically saying, "Hey, three pieces of shit. <laughs> I can't believe Hannibal." gave this great show to like you fucking losers. Um, have any of you written a new joke since you moved to New York? Um, hey, Kenny, is it still weird that Adele writes song? Like I was, I think I'd like made fun of each one of yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was an asshole because I thought it was for your eyes. <laughs> I get an email back pretty much right away being like, Oh, sorry. We're all filled up for that time. And I'm like, Oh who no, this, <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> And then I immediately texted you guys again, or I maybe, yeah, I think I texted the three of you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2015. So it was a yeah. long time ago. I was right around the time you were hanging out with Bill Murray. You were off the Bill Murray glow. Um, <laughs> and then I said, hey, guys, I, heads up. I thought this was your email just for you guys to keep yeah. record. And I think Clark got back to me right away going, oh, shit, shit, I'll, I'll let her know. Yeah. And then she sent me an email the next day. And that, well, I think I sent one back being like, real quick, I didn't know. I thought it was for them. I would never send an email like that. Are you kidding me? And then she's like, oh, sorry for the mix up. Blah, blah, blah. And then we were cool. And then, yeah. and then I was cool with her when I met her and everything like that. And I just thought it was funny because I was like, what the fuck? I thought that was for you guys. I remember her, I think, showing us the message afterwards, too. After we cleared it up, she was like, okay, because he sent this. And then we like laughed at it. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Other, I, otherwise, we never, I, I know I never checked that email otherwise unless somebody told me to see something. So that was one where we got forwarded that. Like, all right, then you'll find this funny because yeah. I didn't know you guys knew him. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I remember um, Kenny being like, I'll, I'll, I'll call her right now or text mm -hmm. her right now. And then she forwarded it to you guys. Well, yeah, it was funny, but I de definitely felt like a dipshit. I'm like, <laughs> I had no idea that it wasn't for you three. She must think, what kind of piece of shit? L.A. comic. Because I think I said I'm going to be in town. Yeah, you're in L.A. Yeah, 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 she's like, these fucking West Coast assholes. I think they could just so entitled, these L.A. people, you know? Well, dude, man, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Tell uh, tell everyone where they should follow you. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mr. Will Miles. Uh, thanks for having me, man. This has been fun, always. Dude, it was so much fun catching up to you. Um, keep killing it in both the comedy game and the dad game. Um, say hi to everyone for me. Say hi to Julia, who's, by the way, great comedian. Um, great I should comedian. have her on sometime. Um, you guys are, are awesome. I love you guys. Comedy you too, man. I love you. All right, dude. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Let's have our kids hang out. Thanks, man. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Later, man.